0: You have to go with your intuition. And sometimes you're making decisions financially and you're doubting it. You're going to have a difficult time closing that transaction. And sometimes it's just, you just need more information. Not that you don't want to do it. You just need more information. Would you agree? Excellent. So Marvin and I probably have lunch once a week all the time. So we always are thinking about ideas and how we can help people. And the best way i found to serve is to educate. And that's why we brought this home workshop together. And I want to go ahead and, and invite you guys to take a look at this handout here. What do you notice about the handout first off? You have to answer. Yeah, you have to be a participant, right? There's blanks. So this is the actual workshop part of it. The other was really presentation. We're going to get you guys actively involved with this. There are there are pens there. Does everyone have a writing instrument there? Good. Okay, so let's get going. Purchasing a home. Purchasing a home is one of the single greatest forms of debt that anyone will typically take on in their lifetime. And I say this because mortgage finance is giving people a lot of debt. That's what I do. But I have to make sure that you can responsibly manage that debt. Now, how many people have friends, family, you yourself have overspent? At the end of the month, you say, my goodness, there's more month than money. Right? That happens because you're not watching where your dollars go. If you're relying upon credit cards to get you through the next month, then you are not managing your budget well. This is a consideration that banks look at, and that's why we review your credit. We look at your bank statements. We look at your assets. We look at other things that will help the bank to make a good credit decision. It requires some thought, research, and planning. The plan comes from us sitting down one-to-one, going through your very specified numbers. You cannot rely upon your friends their experiences and what they think they went through will be the same as your experience, because it won't. I can guarantee you that. You may have similarities because you may work at the same job, but your individual situation is different. And it's personal. It's very personal. Some people have a way of bragging or boasting about things, but they're not going to show you everything right? It's it's a posturing to say, this is what I got. Why did you get that? You're getting a bad deal. Now, the truth is, it's very custom to your specific situation for lending, okay? Let's talk about the advantages of home ownership. Marvin did a great job at this and talking about kind of how the cycles go and what you're going to do in the process. But home ownership can be a very sound investment. It provides security for your family's financial future because you can build equity over time. And when you build equity, you may have the opportunity, okay, to improve credit worthiness and have a sense of pride. Tax benefits you may or may not. New tax laws have somewhat curbed tax deduction for itemization if you don't exceed twenty four thousand. You need to check with a CPA with this, but for a joint family, and I, I is it up to twelve or I forgot what the individual deduction is, but. All the tax brackets have shifted a little bit, but the standard deduction has increased. So you should not be purchasing a house because of tax deduction. You should be purchasing a house to live in it, to house your family, and to create stability. One of the biggest causes of damage in communities and families is instability in the home. And what I mean by that is you're constantly moving, or your kids are constantly changing schools, or your families are experiencing this relocation experience and it's very difficult for people to feel settled. Do you understand what I'm saying? So once you buy a house and you make it your own, you're establishing your family, you're putting roots down, you're creating a legacy long term. But before you start looking at the eye candy, which is what I call it, window shopping, okay, you need to know your numbers. Because if you don't know how much you're going to be able to afford, you're going to go out and look at something only to be disappointed. Right? So I say if you're going to go buy a car, don't go drive the most expensive car on the lot. Because everything else after that will be a disappointment. It really will. Okay? So, but then that's not true of food. Because I've been to a very expensive restaurant. They give you a small plate with a little bit of food. and You're like, oh, this is all I get for $40, right? House is a little bit different though. You get a price tag here, you're gonna have a house to match. But you can't afford it, it's just window shopping, it's the eye candy. If you you skip this critical step, you can get excited about the purchase of the house, only be disappointed. Once you know your numbers, you can go confidently out into the marketplace, you can have a pre-approval letter in hand, and this informs sellers that you can close on a transaction. Now, I'm I'm putting them on the spot over there. How close this number is, is really, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm about a 97% close ratio on approval to close. Now, Marvin and Diane have been working with me for over 10 years. Is that accurate? I have a higher percentage. Okay, and the reason why is because I don't want you to go out there to not be able to get what you're purchasing. There are two things that typically happen in a transaction, and it's rare, but it does happen where we're not able to close a transaction. The biggest one is the house. We'll talk about that as one of the three Cs, but if the house doesn't meet the requirements of the bank, we call this the collateral, okay? A bank is not going to lend on a vehicle or a car up on blocks, right? That house needs to meet basic health and safety standards. It needs to meet what the bank is holding that loan for. Right? So that's the one reason that a house or a mortgage will not go through. That doesn't mean that you're not approved for the loan. It means that house doesn't fit in the whole loan package so that we can fund and close it. Second thing, a major life experience changes the whole scenario with regards to your income. Say you lost your job, you got laid off, somebody died in your family, you got transferred. Something changed where you had to back out of the transaction. That is rare but it does happen, okay? But those are the only two instances that if you do your work working with me, that you should not be able to obtain financing. Are we clear? And the reason why is we prepare well. If you look at an iceberg, where's the greatest mass of that iceberg? Below the water. That's all the hard work of the foundation and all the extra work that we do on the front end of a transaction. So when you're out looking for a house, you should be concerned with finding the right house negotiating the right terms, speaking the speak of what the bank is looking for, but also having an agent that's going to ask for the things to make sure you qualify. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Just happened a couple days ago. Diana and I were on the phone. Actually, no, you were in my office. We were recording a podcast, which I'll tell you guys about later. And I get a contract that came in from an agent that I had never worked with. This buyer went over to that agent, even though I recommended that they talk to an agent that I prefer to work with, they went out and found a house. I issued the pre-qualification letter and the buyer's agent did not even ask for closing costs that the buyer needed. So I called the agent, I said, the contract doesn't show any seller closing costs or concessions that I require in order for us to close the loan. He said, well, I couldn't get the transaction accepted or the contract accepted unless I did it this way. And I said, that is useless. I can't close the loan if you give me a contract like this. It's almost like a doctor giving you a prescription. Me being the pharmacist, looking at the prescription and going, did you mean to write this? It's going to kill him. So I can't change the contract. All i tell telling you is, listen, I need this much money in order for them to buy this house. When you wrote it this way, you got the offer accepted. That's really exciting, but I can't close on this, so cancel it. You know what the buyer's agent said? Well, no, 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 we got to try to keep this together. And I said, but they don't have enough money. Are you going to write a check for the $3,000 dollars you are short? No. I said, well, then we can't do the transaction. So he went back and tried to renegotiate the contract. It's harder to renegotiate a contract than it is to get it accepted up front and be clear with it. What does that tell a seller when you have to renegotiate things right away? That you weren't a solid buyer. I was more frustrated and upset because my name is on that pre-approval letter. That represents me indirectly, even though they had no experience with me as a lender yet. So I got frustrated. I may have raised my voice a little bit. (laughs) But I did so because I'm an advocate for my client. My job is to protect you guys. I work for the bank, but I represent you. Does that make sense? Keep this in mind, guys, because these are big points. And if someone's not taking this kind of stance for you guys, they're not helping you. They're just trying to close a loan and get paid. All right, Marvin went through a lot of these. Take a look. There's a lot of steps. Now, I'm going to just use my 10 fingers here, but can anybody guess approximately how many people are involved in a real estate transit at any given point? How many people do you think? I'll give you real simple ones. Real estate agent, buyer. Real estate agent, seller loan officer, processor, underwriter, appraiser, home inspector, termite inspector, possibly, right? escrow officer, title officer, right? That's 10 already, guys. Notary. Notary, your funder, OK? Those are 12 parties that I just named off. All of them have to be doing their job all within the same time frame, and you're not the only loan. Our parent company, Sierra Pacific, first half of the year, we've closed over $1 billion in funding. Our little office, Agape Mortgage, has closed a little over $14 million in closings. So each loan, when you add them together, compiles a whole volume, right? So imagine 12, 13, 14 people involved in the transaction all closing within 30 days right? That takes some effort. That's why when Marvin said, you can't waste those first two days in the beginning of a transaction because you'll lose it on the end and your stress level is going to go up because guess what? You're two weeks in. How many people like to know they have two weeks to pack their house and get ready to move? How many people like the stress of having me call you saying, why did you make this deposit? <laughs> I need proof of it. Wait, I have to go to work. I have to take the kids home. I have to feed them. I do all this other stuff. Okay. That's why I try to get this stuff done on the front end. Clear? Good. Moving on. Two basic types of loans out there. Conventional loans, government-insured loans. This includes FHA, VA, and USDA. Conventional loans. Financing term that they use for conventional loans are driven by two entities that finance these. You may have heard of them before, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Now, a lot of people have heard the bad things they think about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The truth is, is they're fantastic. They were taken under uh, conservatorship because they were losing money because people were foreclosing left and right. When you're walking away from homes, you can only stop the bleeding by putting it under some type of control. But Fannie and Ray and Freddie Mac were not subprime lenders. Understand that. There's bad press out there. I'm going to use the term fake news. Okay, because the reality is, is that if you're not in this industry, you don't understand exactly what these entities were doing. They help hundreds and hundreds of thousands of borrowers per month throughout the country achieve homeownership. These loans offer programs with as little as 3% down, and they can go to a higher loan limit. Currently, the maximum loan in Kern County for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac is $453,100. That's a lot of house, guys. It's a big mortgage payment. Underwriting guidelines for conventional financing are slightly different, but for the most part, they mirror each other. Okay. When I say this, I am going to be looking for when we take the application to put you in the best products that fit your criteria not just throw you into something that someone else did just because they did it, all right? It's very specifically tailored to you. Conventional loans, you can put 20% or greater down, but if you do so, you get the benefit of not having mortgage insurance. When you have mortgage insurance, the whole premise is this. You're borrowing more than 80% of the value of that product, okay? And when that happens, the bank is exposed, Meaning, if you walked away and they had to sell it quickly, they're going to take a quick deduction and sell it. They call it a fire sale. And when they do that on a foreclosed property, they have to pay attorney's fees, okay, selling expenses, plus depreciation that they've taken. So unless they have mortgage insurance, they're going to take a loss. And mortgage insurance protects the bank in case of foreclosure, and you as the consumer pay it. Think of it like gap insurance on a car. okay, And you'll pay it, only if you're putting less than 20% down now conventional financing is best suited for people that can put 3% to 20% or more down and have FICO scores above 680 now we do have programs programs that go down to 620 but 680 is an ideal score for this type of product FHA FHA is the Federal Housing Administration it's synonymous with HUD or Housing and Urban Development It was established in 1934 under FDR. Franklin Delano Roosevelt had to re-establish America after the war. And part of this was creating housing for Americans coming back from the war. Now this is not to be confused with VA which we'll talk about later. FHA is not a lender, they're just an insuring body. We underwrite to their guidelines and they will insure our money as a bank and because of that we can give the money with a lot of confidence saying if we have a loss FHA will pay us and make us whole does that make sense okay good VA if you're a veteran and qualify for this loan product or you know somebody that's a veteran they offer hundred percent financing with no mortgage insurance so no down payment required there are some very specific things that the VA has that is different it has a VA funding fee and that's something like a mortgage insurance uh, feature but it's a one-time fee that's financed into the loan. It's 2.15% financed for first-time use, or if you use it again and again, which you can, you can use VA loans over and over again, it's 3.3% for second-time use and other use. Now, if you have a disability related to the VA, they'll waive that funding fee completely. Yes? You said if I know somebody, or you said somebody who's in the, like, my brother. If he wants to apply and he's a veteran with an honorable discharge... Call me now, is he asking for you or for him Oh no 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 he can't sign for you the the veteran would be the one receiving the benefit but I'm just kidding no don't do that that's fraud. okay <laughs> Moving on USDA if you're going to buy an outlying area this includes Wasco, Taft, Delano, Shafter, Tehachapi those are considered rural areas yes. They're parts of fee Now, the beautiful thing is the USDA offers 100% financing. They have a guaranteed fee and they have a lower monthly mortgage insurance. So if you don't mind the commute and you can find a house, USDA is one of the options to go. They do have specific income limits, so we would look at that. And again, this is where I'm tailoring your questions and needs down to what kind of loan product you can get, okay? Preparing for an application. If you look in the, the little folder that I gave you guys here, you'll see that The borrower's checklist is the very first page. This is more of an exhaustive checklist, but the basics we always start with are 30 days pay stubs. We want to know what your income is and how regularly you're paid, whether you're paid once a month if you're a teacher, whether you're paid bi-weekly every two weeks or semi-monthly twice a month. And we're going to be looking at your year-to-date average. Are you consistently earning income? If you're hourly and your hours fluctuate, meaning some days you're going to get six hours, other days you get 10 because of overtime. We're gonna be looking at those numbers because we need to calculate on a conservative basis what's the bottom income that you're gonna have because when times get tough and you don't get that overtime, we don't want you to have a hardship. Does that make sense? So we're going to be calculating these things. Next thing, last two years W-2s, 1099s if you received some type of other expense, in this case if you're an independent contractor or their 1098Rs for retirement income, or if you receive uh, Social Security, there's other things like that. 1098, I don't know why I have that and it should be removed. That's actually a tax form for mortgage deduction, but I'll edit the slide later. Um, federal 1040s, we just need the federal return. I don't need California. If you use TurboTax, holy smokes, don't print it all. Call me, I'll tell you what pages to print, because I be was 127 pages, I only needed five of them and their printer now needs new ink and new paper but anyways last two months bank statements all pages why all pages because if it says five pages and you bring me four the bank isn't asking what happened to the fifth page even though it says page intentionally blank because they thought that I messed up and I didn't give you all five pages I'm hiding something no it says page and literally that's what it shows but that's okay then I have the fifth page yes sir If you're given an official statement, I want an official statement. And there's there's two reasons why. Number one, it identifies the bank typically, and it identifies your full account number and name. When you do an online printout that's a ledger, it redacts a lot of information. So I can't identify who the bank is, and I can't identify who the owner of that account is. But if it's just like a major bank, like a Wells Fargo, BFA, and they send you, like, your PDF through your online yeah exactly so if you all gone and you have e-statements or some other type of form we have secure links you can just upload those PDFs I don't need you to print everything trust me that's fine we're only asking for the most recent one so if the statement is not available you can do a transaction history from the last statement date to present for that period of time yeah that's a great question Luke. I appreciate you asking that Before we get started, though, the bank is going to be asking a lot of things about kind of your character. How is it that you deal with your debts, right? How do you manage your financial obligations? These are just internal questions you need to ask yourself. Do you make it a priority to pay back those who lend you money in good faith? What are your patterns of paying back obligations in general? And do you have a responsible mindset? Think about that that person, family, friend, brother, uncle, cousin. Can I borrow a hundred bucks? Have you ever had that? Is that a gift or is that a loan? <laughs> ones that winds up being like, hey, I'm never going to see it again. I'm sorry. I know you said you want to borrow it, but I know you're not going to pay me back. They probably have bad, bad credit. They <laughs> pro- yeah. They probably have bad credit because they do that. All right. Let's talk about the three C's of underwriting. First C, credit. The lender's looking at your past experience and credit obligations and want to determine what a good credit risk you may be. Established credit is typically, what Anselmo said, three accounts, 12 months or greater payment with no lates. Ideal setup. That will typically achieve the 640 minimum. we like to see 620 we can go down to, but you're going to start getting better terms the higher your FICO scores are. Now, quick aside, the three trade bureaus that we report with or receive reports from are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. When we receive those three scores, we're going to take the middle reported score of the lower of the two borrowers. So if I have a joint application, I'm going to take the lower middle score of the two on the application. That's the qualifying score, okay? Capacity, how much can you afford? What is the debt ratio, which we're going to talk about a little bit later? Debt ratios for the most... For most programs, they like to see our 29 over 41. Now, what do you think that refers to? What do you think 29% refers to? No. Oh, that's right. We're credit cards. 29% credit card rate. No, that, that's not us. It refers to your housing payment for your mortgage in relation to your monthly income. Okay? Now, let's think of this. Round it up to 30%. If I said to you, your house payment should only be 30% of your income, that leaves you 70% to take care of the rest of your household, right? The benefit of that is, is it creates for you some comfort. Because if you're at 40%, you're using more than the recommended amount, you better not have any other debt, okay? And that's because we know that you have life to live. This includes food utilities, eating out occasionally, entertainment, medical expenses, cost of entertainment like going out on vacation once in a while, tithing if you do that for your church, different expenses that you have to live your life with, right? So we're trying to be responsible with this, and that's why they like 29 over 41. So the second number here, this refers to adding your other items that show on your credit. So let's just say you have a credit card payment, and it's $65.00. We're going to add that 65 plus the housing payment, and we're going to come up with a back-end ratio here, okay? Now, let's say you have a car payment or you have student loans. Those are other items that are going to be added to the housing payment. Now, I will tell you the biggest and the fastest way to buy less home, even though you're credit ready, is to buy too much car. Okay? I took an application yesterday. I hadn't talked to this client about four years. They want to sell their house and buy another one. I said, does anything change in your financials? Yes, I'm making more money. Great. Have you paid off your debt? Yes. So let's talk about your other debt. Oh, we just bought a new truck. How much is that truck? $65,000. $752 payment a month. Plus the other car that they bought a year and a half ago with another $540 payment. Their debt ratios went from a $350,000 house down to a $300,000 house like that. Because now their keys to their new house have been replaced for the keys for these two vehicles. They're the biggest debts you can carry on a monthly basis and are the hugest liability. Because if you miss that payment and they represent that car or vehicle, it becomes potentially a judgment but it also will plague you for a very long time so understand don't buy too much car if you want a house and then don't cosign. yeah don't co-sign yeah yeah. okay the first percentage is called the top ratio we talked about that the second is the bottom ratio in relation to your income this includes all other obligations okay yes ma'am uh-huh That's an ideal number. Right, and 41% is the total of the mortgage payment, that's 29% plus the remaining. So you would technically have 12 more percent for your other debt? Debts. correct. And so what are what are the other debts that they factor? Are those only debts? That only items that show on the credit report or child support, alimony, federal debts you have repayment plans for. No. Those are not historically a big deal. But if you have undisclosed debts, like you took a personal loan that was not recorded, we may ask about that. Let's be fair about this. If you're paying that and it causes financial hardship because it's going out and you didn't tell me about it, and you have to go into foreclosure or lose the house, the bank would have wanted to know that beforehand. Likewise, remember the very thing I talked about at the very beginning was if it was your money you saved all your life for, right, and you lent to somebody but you know they had this expense. Would you probably have made a different decision to give them the money? So just for some clarity, there. Let's just say your income is four thousand dollars a month. Yep. So technically, your mortgage payment would then be twenty nine percent of that four thousand dollars. Correct. And that's gross, not gross. Yes. Yes. So, so then that would be what twelve hundred dollars? Roughly, yeah. Because fifty percent would be two thousand dollars, right? So if you make $4,000 a month, a comfortable mortgage payment in the ideal mortgage lender is twelve hundred dollars Correct. Roughly in that range. Now, there are some flexibilities. If you have a lot of cash reserves because you're very good with your money, meaning you save, you have money in the bank, they'll allow you to go higher debt ratios. If you have higher FICO scores and you have good credit history, good obligations, we'll let you go to a higher debt-to-income ratio. If you have compensating factors, this includes you're going down from a rent payment to a mortgage payment we're probably going to give you a buy for higher debt ratios because you've already proven you can make those payments. Understand? So again, these are ideal. An ideal BMI for me is supposed to be 175 pounds. I'm not even close, guys. Just letting you know (laughs) that that is not ideal for me. But it did, you know, for charts, it sometimes works, I guess, right? So moving on. Capacity. Capacity. Yes, I'm sorry. it was actually just a comment. I actually sat with Alan about three years ago, and he was actually very thorough on life could happen. And so he is very actually really good with, hey, this is your check, this is scenarios, and let's be real. So it's actually, it helped me through the process in looking for a home like, hey, kids are getting older, there's sports, there's, and he did play a huge role in, the outcome of what could, expenses could come occur when buying a home, and have that leeway. Thank you. I mean, guys, I... He's only gotten better. Oh, and he has many years experience. I really want you guys to know, I just care about my clients, you know? The bottom of this, guys, it says best at Bakersfield. You know, we beat out Castle & Cook, which is a big mortgage lender right? We beat out some other big contenders, current schools as well. I'll tell you what, we didn't just walk in a park. This is, we earned this, I think. And I'm proud to say seven years running, but we've won it the last two years because our clients vote. Our real estate agents vote. And we take a lot of pride in that because we want to make sure the end result is good for you guys. So moving on, guys. Principal and interest is in your loan. When you take a payment, we're going to have principal and interest, property taxes, homeowner's insurance, Mortgage insurance if it's required and this will equal your total monthly payment When I give an estimate to diane diana about um, a total payment total cash to close Have I ever been really far off at closing where the borrower doesn't have enough money or they're really shocked? No, but I'm conservative because I want to protect the consumer, right and here's the second thing. I Like to say it's like ragu. It's in there So I've had people compare our fees and costs into another bank, and then they come back with a lower number, but I say, hey, look at this. This is a realistic number. That number is a sell to get you to go over there, but I think you're gonna be sorely disappointed later because when you're at the end of a transaction and you're forced to do it because you have a lot of money on the line, you're gonna sign it, but are you gonna be happy with them afterwards? No, and those are the bad experiences that will leave that bad taste in your mouth. So keep that in mind. Here's an example, $225,000 FHA purchase. A loan at five and a half percent, 30 year fixed with three and a half percent down. The principal and interest on this loan will be 1254. This is the portion of the loan that is fixed, it'll never change, that's what you're locking in. Property taxes at about one and a quarter percent of that sales price is 234 a month. Homeowner's insurance, about $63 a month. Mortgage insurance, $152. A $225,000 purchase price with the minimum down will cost you about $1,703 a month. Now, this is a lot of money, guys. I'm not going to lie. But you're also borrowing a lot of money, okay? I want to show you this chart. This is something that Marvin and Diana really haven't seen, but I want to go through it. The first thing is, is that when you're buying a house in Kern County, this is a stat, $225,000 versus renting. Approximately $1,522 would be a relative rent that you would see out there. The one thing that they're banking on is a 3% rental increase year over year because a landlord wants to increase the rents over time, right? But if you have a mortgage payment at $1,705, your total cash flow over time will be $186,000 and I'll explain where that comes from if your interest rate is at five and a half percent, every time you make a payment, the balance is slowly going down, right? So if the value is here, when you initially buy it at 225 and you're paying the balance down, if nothing ever were to happen, you're still building equity. But we have something called appreciation. And appreciation means the value of the house is going up over time. And we're not talking about like this, we're talking a steady, slow increase. And when you have that increase, over the 10-year period that you'd be looking at this, right around year five, you're going to break even for rent. But after that, you're going to start exceeding what your payment is because of the increases they have in rent. But what happens to your net value? You're going to have an appreciation of $142,000 over time. Your estimated value is about $367,000 on a house that you paid two twenty-five dollars for 10 years prior. This is the value of home ownership. If you had to sell it, yeah, you may spend 20, but look at how much you have the difference between that and what you bought it for. So your net gain, not through just amortization, but through appreciation together, is this 186,000. This is the value of owning real estate. This is the value of having a house that you're not gonna be forced to move as long as you can maintain your payments. This is the value of family being stable, comfortable, and to be able to do the things they need to do. Collateral, talked about this, this is the house. This is what you're trying to obtain. The bank is using an appraisal, and possibly other inspections to find out if the house is worth it. They're the eyes and the ears for the bank. They're gonna create for us something that holds up our loan. With no house, no collateral. Let's look at these uh, net gains, 148000 This is based off of your initial expenses and the small appreciation over time, okay? These charts here, I'll give you guys an option at the end. And this is part of the, if you attend it, you get it. If no, don't share with your friends. Okay, I want to talk about first-time homebuyer programs real quickly here. First-time homebuyer programs, in and of itself, have pros and cons. I'm not going to give you a lot of detail, only because these things are changing all the time. First thing, a down payment assistance program is not free money. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is Golden State Finance Authority, the platinum program, is the second mortgage that goes on your house. They may help you with some down payment assistance, but you're going to have a second that you don't have payments on. CalHFA is a second. CalHFA takes a little further. We'll give you a second and we'll give you a third, but we'll cover a portion of your down payment and your closing costs. Minimum, though, you're going to have to put down will be approximately one to one and a half percent out of pocket. Now, if you're fortunate enough to negotiate the sweetheart deal that's out there, meaning you get the seller to pay your closing costs or a portion of it, you may get that money that you put on deposit back, but you'll be out the expenses of your inspections. That's pretty much it. So I have had clients use a program like this. They're not cheap and they have higher interest rates, but you come in with less money, okay? They've gotten their deposit back. So let's just say your deposit was $2,000. You go through the process. There's a seller credit. At the very end, they'll give you a $2,000 check at closing, you're just getting your money back, but you'll lose the cost of your inspections because we have to pay these parties outside. So that's, you will have something in it, but really think about it. How many people you know that buy a vehicle and put thousand dollars down, two thousand dollars down, five thousand dollars down to buy a truck or a car and they squawk about putting two to $3,000 down to buy a house. Something has gone wrong with our connection of value. Do you agree or disagree? okay so really have a perspective about this so with that said some of the best products that don't have any weird catches are going to be the Fannie Mae Home Ready 97% Freddie Mac Home Possible 97% in the standard FHA these offer better terms interest rates are better costs are less expensive and overall you're not going to have any seconds or thirds that you have to pay back two at one time but it's very specific okay Yeah, you're going to have to have a lot of documentation. They're not just going to give it away. We had something called extenuating circumstances that came out, and literally we had a gal. Her husband had a stroke, a heart attack, all kinds of stuff. And the bank said no. She could prove it. We had like medical statements and medical bills and all that stuff, and they said no. So it's not a surefire way. The better thing is have one FHA loan. Sell that house, buy something else, okay? Now, you can have a conventional and an FHA loan at the same time. That's okay. And this, one, this 3% down, though, is restricted for first-time home buyers, Or if your income does not exceed a threshold, I think it's $74,800. i will have to double check. Okay, do you have another question? Okay, the PMI does not come off of any of the FHAs unless you refinance? Correct. Or you put down 10% or greater. Then it can stay on there, but it can stay on only for 11 years, and after 11 years, it can come off on an FHA. The only way to Correct. Or, or put 10% or greater down on an FHA loan. And that's a newer thing, guys. That happened the last 24 months. Yes? If you buy a house, let's say you get a FHA you have other loans, can you add that to the house loan? No. They're not going to pay you to buy a house. So if you're trying to consolidate debt, you can you can probably do that later if you pulled equity out of the house, but no, not at the time you purchase. Yeah, that's a very good question. That kind of stems from some of the funny stuff they did back in the subprime days. <laughs> we we're like, oh, let's just sell the house for 10000 more, and then when we close, we'll give them a check. That's called fraud, and that's why people went to jail, and banks no longer exist doing that stuff okay so no we we don't give you money to buy a house now if you have a house that needs work there are some programs called rehabilitation uh, loans or rehab loans so let's just say you need to redo the kitchen remodel the bathroom put new plumbing in the house replace the roof there are products that are specific for that that offer under FHA three and a half percent down okay and five percent down for conventional okay is that it that's it. Oh my gosh, we're done. Thank you guys for uh, listening. Do you guys have any other questions right now? Uh, not everybody one. All right, what? Yes.